Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Blog Talk Radio.
Yes, sir, man. I've been waiting on this one for a while. It's good to get back on the airwaves. Hit the fans off with another podcast. Again, you listen to Real Sports Guys, realsportsguys.com. The last but not least, the final third. Right? He's like the leg on Voltron. Like, Voltron wasn't right if he didn't have a leg. You know? <laughs> but, but PAD makes us go, man. He makes us run. So, my man, T Sports PAD, what's happening, Captain? How you feeling, brother? What's up, fellas? I'm um, coming from Cleveland, Ohio, the city of champions. Uh, last time I was on, last time I was on, I said the Cavs are nine games. It only took a seven. Yeah, we I, we gonna give you the last word tonight because I know you got some like backed up, some late like Cavs celebrating. You got to do because we've been on. We we've been so. It's been so sporadic because once the summer hits, man, we all get going our different directions. But listeners out there, we're about to hit y'all off with some consistency. All right, football season is starting. Tonight's show, we got yeah. a great show lined up for you all. Uh, we're going to talk about the Rio Rio game, the Olympics. Uh, we're going to talk about fantasy football for the bulk of the show um, and get you guys prepared. RSG style, the only way the Renegades can. You know, this is the People's Podcast, so we're going to get you ready for your fantasy football drafts and to dominate this fantasy football season uh, as as we all tend to do. Um, so, Phil, man, how is how is how has Cleveland changed? <laughs> man, it is. Uh, I mean, optimism is infused. All of a sudden, you know, I mean, Believe Land came out, the 30 for 30 came out in May, I believe. You know, maybe April, some, somewhere around then. Within a week or two after the finals, they had a an update on Believe Land, uh, alternate ending to reflect the championship, man. It, I mean, the city just, uh, it's, it's just, Instead of it being a pessimistic sports town, all of a sudden, all is good. Um, and that lasted for a few weeks, and then the RNC rolled in town. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Um, oh, then, wow. And then, you know, unfortunately, there was a string of, you know, just a lot of horrific things that happened in our country. Um that kind of overshadowed some things, but but I think overall though, you know, Cleveland was was under the spotlight, man. You know, from the finals and then the RNC, and even with the RNC, you know, I think Cleveland did pretty well in terms of handling things. Um, so overall, you know, this this was kind of the summer of Cleveland, where, um, you know, you look at the things that were covered in Believe Land and just. You know, from the from the years of the mistake by the lake and just all the different issues of the mayor's hair being caught on fire and the and the lake catching on fire and you know we we had a nice run from the the parade that had a million folks down. I mean, it was just an amazing, amazing couple of months and and in general, I mean, people are optimistic about things as far as sports and even the Browns. There's optimistic there, uh, optimism there. The Indians are playing well, um, but it, it was a special time, man. As far as the uh, the Cavaliers, you know, we were down there. We watched 
we watched uh, most of the away games in the stadium. And, um, you know, as, as far as the finals, including game seven, and it was uh, it was just amazing down there. You know, it was it was an amazing time. And and like I said, the city just you know, I'm not from Cleveland but I've been here off and on for eleven years. Um from eleven out of the past sixteen years. And so I feel like I'm a Clevelander, but you know, I shed a few tears the night they won, but that was nothing like my friends who are from Cleveland. I mean, they, it hit them hard, you know, the folks that have grown up here. And it, it was just amazing the night that they won the championship, just walking the streets down there. You just saw random people, you know, white, black, old, young, just hugging each other, just strangers, just relating. It, it was amazing. I mean, I've been around sports my whole life just like you guys, just deeply entrenched in sports, and I've never seen anything quite like it, anything. It's amazing. Man, that's, that's, that, that, that warms my heart right there, man. I'm glad you got to experience that and be a part of that, man. And uh, I'm glad, you know, the Cavs were able to win one for the land and, and, and take care of business. And that was, you know, that was an exhilarating game seven, man. I There have been few – instances where, and we talked about this on the last podcast when we had Justin on, um, there have been a few instances where I've been at a sporting event and not directly involved, like as a participant, and my heart was pounding. Like I'm watching on TV and my yeah. heart is thumping in my chest that those last like three or four possessions. I couldn't imagine what yeah. that was like, man, if you actually had like some real like deep ties or a or, or real like tangible connection to either one of those teams, man. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad you got to enjoy that, man. You got to see that. It was amazing. You know, I I went to game two to the, the first three rounds. I was at game two, and um, and it, it was special. You know, Devon and I, we went to game, I think it was game five, the Toronto series. And it was it was special, but the Cows were the clear favorites in the East. But once the finals started, man, games one and two, you know, we watched. You know, they were playing in Oakland, but we watched in the stadium in Cleveland. And then I was out of town the middle uh, four games of the series, but came back for game seven. And, man, that team, I mean, based on what the Warriors did last year, I mean, they were just like Goliath. <laughs> when they won, they won. <laughs> they won big, you know. <laughs> and when they beat OKC, they came back 3-1. I have belief, the last time I was on, I believe the series was either 2-1 or we were down 3-1. But the way we had lost, it was just, I mean, you guys were laughing at me when I said we were still going to win, but you guys had every reason in the world to be laughing at me because the way we had lost, <laughs> you know, it was, uh, I mean, you know, and I'm not like, if it wasn't my team, I would have been that way too. And like, I listened to that podcast and I didn't have to believe myself either. When I was like, we're going to come back, we're going to win. We may need nine games. We're going to win. I mean, it was, I don't know, man. It was just something about 
um, there was some calmness about LeBron. And then I do think Draymond, Draymond getting suspended, I think, made a difference. Had he not get suspended, I don't think the Cavs would have won. I don't. I mean, like, I think that shifted the entire series. And I don't know. Like, I think we saw something about Steph, man. You know, Steph deserved that MVP, but it's clear he's not the best player in the league. Um, And it was clear last year that he wasn't the best player in the league in the playoffs. And there was just something about their style of play. And and Bogut, too. Bogut getting hurt, too, hurt hurt them as well because they were just able to go to the rack for 48 minutes opposed to 30 minutes or 24 minutes. Phil, you're being real gracious, man. I can appreciate that. You're being real gracious. When nobody's showing Cavs fans no love when Kyrie was out and Kevin Love was out. So, man, yeah. you're being real great yeah. and giving a lot of props to the Warriors and kind of, you know, owning the fact that there were some things that broke the Cavs' way. But that's competition, man. That's the way it goes. So, you know, I, I hear what you – I hear you. I definitely hear you. And you're being real diplomatic and real gracious. But it wasn't uh, – and I'm going to say it for you because I know you're gonna, you want to say it, but you're not going to say it. But I'm going to say it. If it was the other way, <laughs> hey, nobody's showing no love to the Cavs if so-and-so is out and so-and-so is out. At the end of the day, LeBron got to get it done, right? That's that's the way the narrative would have gone. Is It's LeBron's team. He's got to figure it out and get it done. And, and, you know, I think your point about Steph is, you know, you got to get it done. You know, you got to make it happen. You got to figure out how to win those games down the stretch. And I, and I was, I, you know, First of all, Phil, it was a treat to go to game five of Toronto with you um, because it was at that game. And I, I actually was speaking to a group that told this story because remember at the end of the game, I was like, what's going on with Cleveland over there? Why is God leaving the court? And you explained to me how they had made that change about not leaving the court until everyone was finished with their interview. And yeah, yeah. It, and and – if you remember what I said, I said, you know, there's something about how this team is developing. And, you've been, and you know, I had before the playoffs talked about Golden State, but I kind of went to this Cleveland side, took a lot of heat on that. But it was when you were – it's something you can tell when you're in a stadium live that gives you a sense of what's going on. And it was that moment, and then towards the end of the game, so you remember when the, uh, the Jumbotron had that uh, – it was a timeout, and it was – the camera was focused on LeBron. He had a triple-double that night. And the crowd right. was going wild. And he's kind of looking, trying to pay attention. He looks up, and then finally, like, he like salutes the crowd, and they go crazy. And I realized the pressure that this young man is under. And looking at that, I was like, but you could see him evolving as a leader in ways that was, that was crazy. And, I, and I, I left that arena. You remember how I left that arena? I was like, man, something different about him. And And yeah. um, – and it, and it was just—it was special to kind of see it um, evolve. What's crazy about it? I don't know if you see—he's got a new show coming out, which tells you about LeBron's bigger master plan, the Cleveland hustle, right? This guy is not missing a beat. <laughs> so now he's got this new show coming out, focused on Cleveland. And I mean, I just—I mean, when, when the story's told about this young man from a uh, from a broader impact standpoint. I mean, we, we're missing the layers. We're missing the layers of LeBron. I mean, he is literally playing chess and everybody else is playing checkers. I mean, when you talk about life, kinds of things he's doing, 
Um, it's just there's so many layers to him. Yeah. So while we're on this, while we're while we're kind of transitioning a little bit, so you know we have the we have the uh, the the Cavs championship, um, and then we roll into uh, free agency, and free agency is wild. Money's getting thrown around like never before. Uh, and KD signs with Golden State. Now, Phil, you hadn't had a chance, I don't think, on these airwaves to kind of weigh in and give mm-hmm. your opinion on KD signing with Golden State. How did you feel about that? I didn't mind. I didn't mind at all. I mean, I minded from being a Cavs fan, and, and my Michigan folks, I'm still a Pistons fan, but until they become relevant, I'm a Cavs fan. Um, but outside of being a Cavs fan and seeing that the best team in the league in the regular season got better. <laughs> I didn't mind Durant leaving because we honestly, when when LeBron left Cleveland to go to Miami, that made the move for Durant to go to join superstars. To me, that made the transition a lot smoother for Durant, and that made the criticism that Durant would get a lot less because LeBron's already done that. Um, to me, it says he's about winning. He's less about ego. He's less about to be the guy. I have to build something. I have, like all this stuff that you know we say that the the cats in the in the in the 80s and the 90s were about. You know, Magic would never go team up with Bird, and Magic and uh, Jordan would never team up with so and so. Well, maybe they wouldn't, but these guys. In this era, they are willing to do that. And I'm okay with that because, to me, that says that they're more about winning. And they're more about doing, like, it's it's less about ego. It's less about having to be the quote-unquote alpha male. And it's about, yo, I've been in the league for seven, eight, ten years. I've had a lot of individual success, but I know I'm going to be judged by how many chips I can get. And if I can, you know, go to Oakland and and team up with these cats and this puts me in the best position to win, I'm okay with that. I'm supportive of that. I don't have a problem with that. Yeah, and I think I think you're under and – and this is something that I think has gone understated across the, the narrative and the dialogue around KD's move is that if you if, – let's say LeBron has been with Cleveland the last six years and never left, Right. KD would have gotten eviscerated. I mean, he would have gotten warhead nuked if he would have made this same decision if LeBron hadn't kind of greased the skids already to make this an easier path. And I say that because not only is he leaving Oklahoma City not having won a championship, going to a team that just set the record for most wins in the season (laughs) the prior year, but that's also the team that knocked out his team (laughs) – in the playoffs, after his yeah. team was up three to one, man, he would have got destroyed. I mean, he needs to send LeBron a gift a month for the next season. <laughs> like he needs to send that brother a gift a month for the next season because KD, we would still be ripping on KD if LeBron hadn't yeah. already kind of took the brunt of the blow when he left in 2010. Um, because as much as the decision, the show, the uh, the the show itself, the TV show, the decision was a bad move, I think people would have been even more turned off by this had that had not happened. 
um, because it is the team that he lost to. It is already an amazing team, and it's just like this doesn't make it. This doesn't fit the narrative that we've created. Um, so that's one. That's one thing I think. You know, it's, it's a perspective that I think we got. We got to recognize and kind of understand. It, it, this would be very different if this were if LeBron hadn't already kind of took us through this process, right? If he already yeah, had yeah. took us through this whole process of a, of a great player leaving his team and going somewhere else, um, because we had never really seen that happen with guys in their primes. Um, usually it's guys at the end of their careers. The other piece about it um, is the idea that, uh, that KD and Golden State are – kind of the, the front-running favorite. Um, and I still think it's going to be interesting to see how this all plays out on the court. Um, you know, I think they'll make it work. They'll figure out how to make it work. But the things that you mentioned that hurt them in the, uh, in the playoffs against the Cavs was not having a rim protector. When Bogut left, they became a very different team. Um, and the guys that they tried to put out there, Festus Azili and Anderson Verizal, just couldn't get the job done. And they haven't really signed anybody um, who's going to fill that role for them. Um, and that's a role that they're going to have to figure out. KD can do it for spurts, but that's not, that's not, his, that's not, that's not what he's out there for. Um, so that's something that they're going to still have to figure out because that's still a glaring need and a glaring hole. And, having to, and, and signing KD and having to let go of some of the ancillary pieces that made them a special team, the most fates, um, the Barbosas, uh, letting go of some of those guys, it, it'll be interesting to see how they kind of piece it together. They're going to have to have some rookies and some 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 of the younger guys who are at the back of their bench, the Kevon Looney's and the James Michael McAdoo's are going to have to step up and, and carve out a role and a niche for themselves in the league this season. Um, they'll be good, but I don't know if they're going to be this – ain't, this ain't a video game. And we learned that with the 2010 Heat. Um, it's not a video game, and just because you stack the roster doesn't mean they're going to play well together because you still got to play basketball, and it still has to all make sense on the court, and people have to understand how they fit together. Um, and as we kind of move out of the, the KD situation and we move into kind of a lot of social unrest um, in the country, we, uh, we have some athletes, in particular Carmelo Anthony, um, who as a basketball player I haven't been a, a, a big cheerleader of his. Um, amongst many other athletes, kind of particularly in the NBA um, and the WNBA, uh, taking a stand um, and making some pretty profound um, and pretty bold social statements. Um, and did you have any thoughts on kind of that whole three, two to three week period where we had a lot of athletes, uh, particularly in the world of basketball, speaking out against some of the uh, the societal happenings uh, that were going on in different communities around the country. I loved it. I really did. I loved it. You know, throughout, you know, the six-year, ten-year of this show, we've, you know, we've highlighted just just how much respect we've had of the, the Bill Russells and the Muhammad Ali's and the Jim Browns, and, and they're skeptical of, of some of the athletes of our generation 
um, of how they haven't spoke up enough. And, you know, for me, this is one of the reasons that I look up to LeBron and really respect what he's done as a as an athlete. You know, back in 2010 when they were doing this whole uh, free agency thing, I think he really leveraged um, his worth when that whole class, they kind of collaborated and figured out what they were going to do. And a lot of the owners and the GMs didn't like it. And I loved it because they were pretty much saying, like, yo, we're going to figure out what we're going to do. Even the guys that didn't sign, you know, the the Stoudemire's, the Boozers, everybody in that class, like, they kind of talked to each other before free agency opened up. And, and, and that was just a start for LeBron. And we see, you know, the scholarships that he's doing in Akron you know, very similar to the Calumsy Promise. And and what they did with the ESPYs with Chris Paul and Carmelo and, and LeBron and, and then what you referenced, Marcus, I love it. I really do because I think in the 90s and the aughts, there was this athletes, I think, were scared and um, really questioned if, if they took a stand, at what cost would they be doing it? And now, I think because as a as a society, it's more acceptable to be and it's more expected to be socially conscious about things. Um, it's almost a cost if you don't like if you're not socially conscious about these things now. And so, I really enjoy seeing these athletes step up and not just the mega, mega uh, personalities and athletes like LeBron and, and Carmelo. You know, you mentioned the WNBA athletes, you know, it, I'm really enjoying it. I really am. And I respect them for speaking their mind and and really standing up for what they believe in. Yeah. And I think it's fantastic that in the year that Ali passes, you have this kind of a movement amongst athletes to be more vocal about the things that they believe in outside of sports and and how they uh, want to leverage their notoriety to bringing voice to um, issues and, and plights that uh, they deem worthy. Um, along with that, you know, you talked about how in the uh, arts and in the, uh, in the 90s, maybe athletes weren't doing this. And I think there's a role that social media has played in not only um, creating a space for athletes to have a voice, but also for athletes to realize that there are other people who maybe feel the way that they feel. Um, and the reason I say that is because we know a lot of these cats grow, grew up in bubbles, right? They had their handlers, um, whether it was AAU coach or uncle or an older brother or their father or their mother or whoever it was that kind of really insulated them from a lot of, like, contact. And they were somewhat sheltered. A lot of these guys were somewhat sheltered growing up because people didn't want negative influences coming into them, coming around these players and and being able to influence their decision-making, whether it was what school they were going to or whatever kind of decisions these kids were making. And so a lot of these guys grew up in bubbles. And so you don't get that understanding of, like, the world and and the opinions that may exist. And so, you know, I think sometimes the athletes in the 90s may have, have been, as you said, worried about the cost of speaking out because they didn't know that they would have had a ton of people that they would have been resonating with, right? They didn't understand that. But now through social media, these athletes can connect with people and realize, yo, 
there are tons of people who agree with me on this. And I think that emboldens them to kind of speak out and speak up um, in ways that maybe past generations of athletes did not. And I think also when you think about Ali and Russell and Jim Brown, they knew they they knew what they were standing for. They had a whole legion of people who had their backs because that those were the yeah. issues of the time uh, for particularly African American people and people of color. Um, and I think over time, I think athletes had moved away from being a part of the community to these kind of little satellite or these little bubbles that these athlete, athletes existed in. And I think those walls have been broken down through the connection that athletes can make through things like the Players' Tribune, um, the, the Twitter accounts, Instagram, social media, all these other things that athletes can access their fans and kind of have a direct line to the people and get an idea of what people are thinking about um, helps them better, I think, one, kind of formulate their own ideas around things, but also get a pulse of, of, of where they stand in the world and how they can influence things. So I agree with you. I think it's been very powerful um, watching athletes leverage that. So then players. we roll forward and go ahead. No, go right ahead. Well, I was going to have us roll forward, and, and, and now we get into the Olympics, right? So as the summer has progressed, um, now we're at this point where we're in the Olympics. Um, the Olympics games have come around um, under some some uh, some shady circumstances, I guess is the best word I could think of. <laughs> we talked about all of the things that were supposedly wrong with Rio, um, from the water quality, uh, recently the water color. I mean, like, it's just been a bunch of, like, stuff. I mean, things not being done. And it seems like this happens every yeah. Olympic cycle. There are things that just – are wrong, but it seems like there was more this time around. At least, again, I don't know what role that the media access and social media played in it this time around because that's something you always kind of have to take into account. Like, well, maybe we just have more access to information than we did four years ago or eight years ago. But it seems like it was just a lot going wrong in Rio, man. I mean, from the Zika virus to, you know, police not getting paid. It's just a lot. So, but it hasn't at least me personally, I will say it hasn't impacted my ability to enjoy these games. Um, there have been some amazing performances. Um, the U.S. gymnastics team, um, I mean, that that may be the dream team of gymnastics teams, man. I mean, like, that may we, – we may look back at this gymnastics team and be like, yo, man, that was, that was the 92 – that was the equivalent of the 92 men's basketball team that we saw this uh, – this Olympics, um, you got them uh, winning the winning the team competition. Um, Simone Biles winning four gold medals. Uh, Lori uh, Hernandez winning a silver. Um, Ali Raceman cleaning up, getting a silver. I mean, just in the all around. I mean, it, they just were phenomenal. And then you got Gabby Douglas who cleaned up last Olympics, who is now kind of like in the background. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, right. It's kind of crazy. I mean, this is a great gymnast. Um, so the, the, the gymnastics team is amazing. Michael Phelps doing his thing um, and getting his 23rd medal. Um, just ridiculous. Uh, the most decorated Olympian ever. Usain Bolt, who is, I think he's running tonight in the 200, um, to see if he can't get another gold medal and begin to kind of cement his legacy as the greatest sprinter of all time. On top of that, Great performances in beach volleyball, um, on the women's side, 
Uh, both the men's and win- women's basketball teams are on course to win gold. Um, just a lot of amazing performances. D. Wills, what has been kind of the most impressive thing you've seen thus far um, at these Olympics? I saw this on the rundown, and it's it just, I mean, all the things you captured made it very difficult for me to even uh, pick. I mean, obviously, I, I think um, Simone Biles and, and what she's done, but also, you know, um, uh, was it uh, Katie Ledesky, um in swimming? I mean, she's beating people. Like, usually in swimming, you get there and it's like a close end. Like, in, I think in the 800, she's hitting the wall and she still got to wait 20 seconds for everybody else to get to the wall. I mean, she's dominating in ways that that's crazy. And so I was just impressed in the way that they just don't even challenge her. I mean, she's swimming down one lane. All of them are still swimming up to the, to the next wall. It's just it's, – I've never seen anybody dominate uh, – like that. So that, and I think Simone, um, but at the end of the day, it's both. You know, the crown jewel of of the Olympics is both. I mean, it it is not just the winning, it's how he winning. From the introduction when they put the camera on him at the block, where he he brushing his shoulders off. He's smiling before he's in the block. He's telling everybody to be quiet before he gets down. Then he then he behind at 50 meters, and he just bursts. I mean, his flair, and he's done it for three straight Olympics. And if he hits the 200 tonight, you know, I think the only person greater than him, and they talk a lot of stuff, people forget Carl Lewis did the 100 and 200 and the long jump. You know, and so at the Olympic Games, the crown jewel event, it's track and field. And Bolt is killing folks. That's it. Yeah, I think the, the, the uh if a picture could encapsulate an athlete's like whole career, it's the meme that's going around of Usain Bolt during the uh <laughs> semifinal where he's ahead of it where he's just like passing everybody and everybody else is like focused on the finish line and dude is staring right at the camera smiling. That's Usain Bolt right there. <laughs> It's just ridiculous, man. That's him, right? I'm I'm ahead of everybody else. They looking stressed, and I'm just like, yep, I got this. You know, and the thing about it is that's a real picture. Like, that's not like a, a poster or something that somebody put together. No. Like, that happened during competition. Like, he was running a race, turned, and smiled at a camera. <laughs> As he was passing people. Like, come on, man. You ain't supposed to be, like. <laughs> It's right. crazy, man. I, I the agree, man. people yes. in the world. Yes. Yes, at the Olympics. So it's not like he racing. It's not like he got in a foot race with a couple dudes around the way. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, man, I'm going to race you to the stop sign type deal. No, this dude is at the Olympics against the best sprinters in the world, and he got time to to give to cheese as he's passing them. Man, that's that's some big brother type. You know when you raise your older cousin or your big brother or something, you twelve or yeah. thirteen, and they like sixteen or seventeen, and they smoke you, yeah. and they got they get in front of you, and then they start running backwards, laughing at you. Right, like man, don't talk to me, man. That's, you didn't have to do all that. You could have just won. Right. That's what Usain Bolt is doing, man. It, 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 and 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 he's having so much fun. I've never seen someone enjoy a moment more than him um, and embrace the moment more than him. He's just, 
And he's 6'5". So he's doing this with a body type for that race that he's not supposed to be doing it with. That's the crazy right. thing about it is, you know, he's yeah. doing it at 6'5", trying to do it, man. I, I can't even – I can't – he just – every time I watch him, man, I just – it's must-see must TV. The 200 is going to be the same thing. Yeah, but I think it actually – Do you think his name – do you think his name is really Bolt? Do you think that's really what's his given name? Right? <laughs> like, this all could have been that much of a coincidence. I think about that sometimes. I agree with you. I thought about that a couple of times. Like, yo, man, the universe don't work like that. <laughs> Where you you get to be six foot five, lightning fast, and your last name is Boat. Come on, man. <laughs> so you need to see some papers. <laughs> I mean, but there are there are times where there are times where there's some cats that you grow up with, and you know, like a cat just got a name, and it's like, yeah, you're gonna be a football player, or that's a basketball yeah. player. Now, you know what I mean? And it was like, I guarantee, from when the moment he was a kid, it's like, yeah, you better you better run track with a name like that. <laughs> Yeah, I guarantee he's heard that from a couple of old heads a couple of times. <laughs> oh, so your name Boat, huh? You better run track with a name like that. <laughs> That's about all you can do. <laughs> right, you better not be slow. <laughs> you ain't doing no acting. So, Phil, you know who are some uh, Phil, who are some performers that impressed you, man? Michael Phelps. That is... I mean, clearly Bolt and the other headliners too. But Michael Phelps, man, that is you know, I've I've got into swimming, you know, the last couple of months and um you know, it's uh I would get my Michael Phelps on at five fifteen, four mornings <laughs> a week. You know. Um but I gotta tell you, man, that's this dude is how many medals does he have? Like thirty something? Twenty three. I think twenty okay. I think twenty three. But that's still a ridiculous number given that most people only get one. <laughs> if you got three, you're like killing it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like seriously, like if you got three medals, you killed it. <laughs> like you did work. Yeah. You know? You did work. To have like twenty three, that's that's just like you want all the medals. <laughs> He came home with all the medals. <laughs> In a range of events, this dude's is like this dude is doing, man. You know, it's like fifty meters, hundred relays, backstroke, freestyle. It's it's just impressive. It really is. Whenever I watch the Olympics, I have this appreciation that these are the best people in the world. These are the best people in their respective countries. And just to see somebody just dominate like he's done over multiple Olympics, that is just so impressive. It blows my mind. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, Bolt uh, and Phelps have both impressed me. The person I'm going to kind of give some shine to is Simone Manuel, uh, who became the first African-American uh yeah. I think woman to medal uh, to get a gold medal in swimming, and the history behind it is amazing, right? 
just in itself, unbelievable. Um, you know, sisters, again, breaking boundaries, I'm all for that. The other piece of it, though, is that, you know, when you think about the history of it, man, sisters ain't trying to get in that water. <laughs> ain't trying to make it the <laughs> That's why it's taking so long. No. <laughs> so to overcome all of that. <laughs> and become the first sister to win a gold medal in 2016. I'm letting you know, man. There's a whole lot of history behind that that only we gonna talk about. Like the media is not gonna talk about why sisters getting in the water. <laughs> when I first started, we could have been had it since like, where. Yeah, I was like, how'd you how'd you get through all that? How do you negotiate that path? And got all that hair. I'm like, oh yeah. When I saw that, I was like, nah. This, you 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 you've accomplished something. You got sisters yes, in the yes, shop yes. talking about that all the time. Right. So maybe we could get some younger sisters now to get in the water. You know what I mean? Tighten up the cap a little bit. You know, my daughter even made a comment. You know, you know, she's got on a swim cap. You know, and then she took it off and she had another cap underneath. She's like, is there another one under that one? <laughs> 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 you know, she, she dropping, but she, she laying out the blueprint. She got to put on like three couches. <laughs> Protect the lock. Protect the lock. <laughs> uh, the talk. other team I want to give shine to. Seriously, it is. This is this is this is stuff we got to think about, right? We have to think about this stuff, and not very many other people have to think about this. Um. The other the other folks I want to give shine to the U.S. women's basketball team. Um, they haven't mm-hmm. had a close game yet. They probably won't have a close game. I think this group of women is the we talked about. I try to use this analogy with gymnastics, but I think this is the best women's national team we've ever been able to send. And we probably got like four or five players who aren't on this team. Who, if you put them in it, they probably get a medal. <laughs> like if you mm-hmm. put them on, if you put them in it as a team, they probably get a medal too. Um, I mean, we don't have Candace Parker. Um, there's a couple other phenomenal players who aren't participating, um, who could be, should be, um, and we're just—I mean—they're just kicking butt. Um, and it'll fly under the radar. And they've won, I think, 47, like like 46 to 47 straight um, games in international competition. Um, and it's something I learned the other day: only two countries have ever won gold medals in women's basketball, us and Russia, which is crazy um, when you think mm, about wow. it. Um, one, it hasn't been around that It hasn't been around as long as the men's game. It goes back to the early 80s. But still, like, when you got just two countries winning it, and right now we kind of on the run because Russia be uh, – they on that very bar. <laughs> <laughs> Putin ain't playing, man. <laughs> Hey, when you got a government, a systemic government <laughs> plot to dope up your athletes, you trying to show out. You ain't just trying to win. You trying to show out. <laughs> like, y'all trying to make a comeback. Y'all trying to be like the old Russian I remember growing up. And you German, about. you know, you just you were so frustrated because you knew they were dope. Couldn't do nothing about it. Couldn't do nothing about it, you know. If he dies, he dies. 
He died every time I was looking at him like that. You know, just drag him. You know, that's what the young lady tried to, try to do to your girl. Uh, 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 Lily King, she gave her the finger like, if you die, you die in the water. Lily came back on her. Like, what you Yeah, think? man. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah Lily King, she, she carrying that torch, man. She carrying that righteous torch. She trying to fight the good fight, man. <laughs> she came back at it and said, I want clean. <laughs> I'm clean. Dapping <laughs> <laughs> on Yes, yes. Nobody. We're going to take a quick break, fellas. I'm going I'm to take a quick break, and we're going to come back, and we're going to get into this fantasy football, man. We gotta, It's fantasy football season, and we got to get everybody right. I know they come to us. For good solid advice, um, so we gonna we gonna we gonna give the people what they want. We'll be back right after this. You listen to Real Sports Guys, RealSportsGuys.com, RSG, Renegade Radio. Nothing can stop me. I'm all the way up. What you want, I got what you need. Shorty, what you want, I got what you need. Shorty, what you want, I got what you need. Welcome back to the Real Sports Guys, the Real Guys Talk Real Sports. We're talking the Olympics. We're going to get into some fantasy football in a little bit. Um, but before we move into talking about fantasy football, we wanted to talk about the U.S. men's national team and how things have been going with uh, this rendition of the Dream Team. Uh, first off, before we can really have this conversation, 
we have to talk about a couple of things. <laughs> One, D. Wills, your boy. Boy Draymond. <laughs> now, this is one of the situations where, like, you know, you're hanging out with your friends, and one of your guys brings, like, his buddy, and then that dude is doing too much all night, and every every couple <laughs> minutes you got to, like, elbow your guy and be like, man, get your boy. <laughs> like, what, hey, hey, P.A.D., what DMX say? Your man. <laughs> get your man's in him. Be will, you gotta get your man's in him. Your boy Draymond, man, he's having quite the summer. He's having quite the summer. Not only is he kind of riding the bench for the dream team, but he picked up a DUI and sent some sausage picks. <laughs> and then everybody's phone getting hacked. I don't understand. I, maybe I'll understand one day if my phone get hacked. But I don't understand how people's phone be getting hacked. Maybe it's a thing. I just feel like that's something that people say when like like some stuff they put out get out. Like your phone. Like D'Angelo Russell did his phone got hacked. Your phone ain't get. I ain't heard nothing about that. Name. Your phone ain't get hacked, brother. That, that don't happen. Kim Kardashian's phone stay getting hacked. <laughs> Right. It's like he's always posing in the pictures to get hacked. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like it's never the ugly pictures that get put out when the phone get hacked. Right. But she's taking the phone hack. Um she need to call Lifebox or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> so you know, Draymond claiming his phone got hacked, he's sending sausage pics out. I don't know, man. What's up with your boy? Explain. I got Man. my legal pad. I'm bi- I got a little Manila folder with a bunch of just a list of stuff. I got my legal. I got legal paper, Manila folders. You know what I'm saying? Little them little paper clips. You know the ones you look like a duck mouth. I got them. I'm I'm ready, man. What, what you got? Well, you know. So I, I want I'm gonna put a shout out to my guy Hank uh, who had the one mic and uh, Hank. Hank, if you had a chance to listen to it, check us out on realsportsguys.com. And Hank, Hank uh, or iTunes, Hank uh, really went in on Draymond. Um, hey, man, he's falling off. And, um, you know, the thing that happened up in East Lansing is like, okay, why are you back in East Lansing? And then why are you fighting a young man on the football team over something that just seemed too crazy? So that started it. Yeah. And got petty with that. Uh, but even before that, they remember they lost, and then he was down in L.A. at the strip club, right? Uh, pictures going up, so it's starting to unravel on him uh, in ways that just is not right. And um, you know, I don't, I can't explain it, man. The pick one was just crazy because he pressed the wrong button on Snapchat, right? It was supposed to be a private exchange, and then he pressed the button, and then it goes out. So just you know, a person who uh, is not making good choices is is important. And one of the things about getting Durant is I think you hit a really important about he doesn't cover everything they need. But getting Durant, if Durant says, gives them flexibility to say, Draymond, you need to act right, you know, um, in ways that he's going to have to pick it up. Man. And I think that's part of the reason why the time was limited with the Dream, with, I mean, with the Olympic team. You know, Coach K, I mean, that happened right there. That's that just limited a whole bunch of stuff. So 
this cat has got to get his mind right. You know, he, he over his skis too much. And I got a feeling he will get it right by the time the season starts, but right now it's not a good look um, at all. And Gold State is the kind of organization that is real sensitive about those things. Um, and, uh, he, you know, somebody needs to pull his chain and pull him back in um, with it. You know, uh, everybody talks about Izzo and all the things he does. You know, Izzo might need to pull him to the side and uh, have a conversation with him. So I can't explain it, brother. When you do that kind of stuff, I can't even defend it. You're on your own now. And so this is what I'll say around this around this whole kind of situation, the off-the-court stuff. I'll say my off-the-court piece, and I'll say my on-the-court piece. Off-the-court, but this is, like, I don't even – I think this is just Draymond. Like, this is this is what you get. Like, he's he's the petty champ. Like, when you talk about the fight with petty, like, that's what – Draymond stay on some pettiness. <laughs> right? I mean, he's Tom Petty. <laughs> There's Petty Murphy in the house right here. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? This is what he does. You know what I'm saying? Like he that's that's a part of his whole like swag. <laughs> is he real petty? I don't think it's um, petty. I think he fights for everything. And he ain't let no he, he, I don't think it's pettiness. I think part of how he got where he is, he don't get he don't move he don't take a step back on anything. Agree. So Agree. And sometimes so And sometimes that could be a detriment. That could be a right? detriment. And sometimes that could be a detriment. You know, Kobe is the same way. Like, pull off the – like, step off the gas, man. Like, sometimes you got to step off the gas. You're hurting yourself. You know, yeah. don't cut off your nose yeah. to fight your face. And Draymond yeah. has kind of always had that personality where, you know, again, he's that one dude you have in your crew or on your team who you are like, yo, man, you got to chill. Like, you're going to start a fight trying to prove a point. Not start – like – like he's a dude that comes in trying to break up the fight and winds up fighting. <laughs> he won't back. He won't back down. I love you know it. You know what I mean? Like, like he trying to be the peacekeeper and then he get to arguing. Like, dude, that's no. You were trying to keep the peace. Why are you arguing now? Because he got to be heard. Like he got to get his point across. He ha- I guarantee I had a fight started. I guarantee Draymond was trying to get his point across. And just would not shut up. <laughs> so that, that's that's so that's the piece where that a piece a piece of the other side of the coin to Draymond being who he is on the court is that that's who he is off the court as well. And we've seen this historically, you know, whether it be a Anthony Mason or Charles Oakley, enforcers don't. They don't. It doesn't work outside of like the court. <laughs> like when you're the enforcer, that only works on the court. You can't be the enforcer at the nightclub. You just can't, man. Right. You can't. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like right. you can't be the enforcer. You know what I'm saying? At at the restaurant, you can't. Like you just can't. You gotta you gotta know when to to take that hat off. And that's what you love about Draymond is that he's always at that level. But then you you always. gotta also understand that he's always at that level. You know what I mean? Like he's always like Anthony Mason. Like he's always ready to fight. As Cedric the Entertainer most famously said, "Can't go nowhere, Anthony Mason. He's always fighting." And that's Draymond. Like I could I I, I imagine that that is Draymond. Draymond is that dude. Um, 
I mean, that also adds to my theory that's why he can't be a, a lead dog. That's also adds to my theory why he can't be a lead dog. I'm still not going to let that go. But but did you see him at the volleyball game? Like, he is always on 11. Like, did y'all get a chance to yes. see him at the volleyball yes. saying about, yes. okay, like, he was he was on 11 in the crowd. And, <laughs> but that's appropriate. That's an appropriate talking, venue. He had the flag on 11. <laughs> that's an appropriate venue. But, like, I can see Draymond being at church, and he gets into a whaling match with a deacon. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's trying to out-whale the deacon. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's trying to, like, go, wow. Louder than a deacon. Come on, man. Just let it go, Draymond. Like, he, like dude, 85 years old. Let him have it. <laughs> and before you know it, he's standing up yelling at the deacon. Wow. Wow. <laughs> and they just go back and forth, but it just become a thing, man. It just become a thing. You know what I'm saying? But the, the volleyball game is appropriate. That's appropriate. That's an appropriate venue. We kind of get that out, but... Again, I can see Draymond taking it to another level in places where he ain't got to be all that. <laughs> on the court, hey. on the court, this is where I think you start to see some of. Uh, and I don't think it's a slight on Draymond. I just think, you know, it's the situation where you got, and I hate to use this because it is a very um, patriarchal example, um, but. We'll flip it this way. You got the best looking, the strongest dude at your high school, right? Dude is the strongest dude at your high school. He bench whatever he bench, and then, you know, he he get into a strongman competition, and he like, yeah, you was the hottest at the school, man, but these other dudes got you, you know. Where it's like, Draymond, in in the context of what he's doing in Golden State, is is very good. Very, 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 very good. He's a very good player. He'll be an all-star for a long time. He keeps doing what he's doing. He'll be a Hall of Famer. Um, but then, then this is what we talk about all the time, is when you get into that little room, when you get into that little room with those other dudes who are also really good, then the pecking order, you still got to make a pecking order. And it don't look like Draymond is very high up on Coach K's pecking order right now. Um, now, PAD, you have some thoughts on this? I'll let you go first. Um, so, I last year I questioned if Draymond was a legitimate – two years ago I questioned if he was a legitimate all-star quality player. Um, last year I came to you, Devon. I felt like Draymond was a legitimate all-star um, regardless of what team he was on. And I felt like he was a legitimate top 20 guy. He could be a number two on any team in the league. That's where I was at at the end of the season. Right now, I'm re-questioning, reconsidering it all at this point. His his game should be tailor-made for the international game. He's he's, he's 6'7", 6'8". He plays much bigger than that. He can guard in the international play. He he can guard at least three positions. He can knock down the international three with ease. Um, he handles the ball well. He 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 can create off the dribble. There's no reason why his game should not translate seamlessly into the international play. Um. If you look at the 12 guys that made the roster, so so I watched the game 
against uh, France. They only won by three points on Sunday. And ten guys played in a rotation. There were twelve, but there were two guys who did not play in a rotation: Draymond and Harrison Barnes. Draymond played two or three minutes in the third quarter. He played well in those two or three minutes, and Barnes did not play the whole game. That's a red flag to me because this is not our A team. There are legitimately five or six guys who stayed home that could have easily been on this team and made the team. You know, your yeah. like your LeBrons, your Westbrooks. I mean, Chris Paul, LeBron, Westbrooks, four dudes right off the top of my head. That's right. Is so, Kawhi Leonard there? Nope. All right, five. Bam. Yep. Aldridge. We can keep going. So, I have a problem that he's not shining on this B team. And I won't even call it the B team. I'll call it the A minus team because we sent a good team. I I have a problem that he's not rising in the – the uh, the exhibition games and the pool play games to earn minutes. And if anything, he's seen his role diminished. And the statistics bear it out and just the eye test bear it out, that he does not deserve more minutes. To me, that's... And I, was, I, like, want, to inter- like I want to interrupt you for a second, PAC, because I want yeah. to say this. Your boy Kyrie, he has risen. And Kyrie is going to be... Yeah. I mean, you talk about, like, 1-1-A... One, one, Y'all gonna be all right. Y'all gonna be all right. Kyrie's impressed me. He's impressing me more and more. Yeah. But you continue. Thank you. Um, may any praise for a Cleveland Cavalier uh, interrupt me at any time. It'll be welcome. <laughs> um, I will say though, historically, I mean, going back to that first Dream Team, man. I remember Charles Barkley. He played in the Dream Team. Next year, he wins the MVP. It seems like every, you know, like whenever, like since we start sending these NBA cats, you always see one or two or three guys that shine. I mean, even Odom, you know, back in 0408, where they play really well and they kind of shine, you know, bosh. And all of a sudden it just propels them to have, like, a breakout season. I was expecting Draymond to be that guy, man, and he had just has not shown that. And to me, that's concerning, and I'm pointing the finger. It's convenient, Devon, and I hate to do convenient things. You know that's me. I hate to do convenient things, but I'm going to do it right now. I feel like this is a lot of support that maybe it's the system in Golden State that makes Draymond shine and look good. And it, it maybe not that he's, he's out in the open with just talent, with, with you know, top 30 guys in the NBA on this roster. And it's like, okay, uh, I'm going to roll out the ball, work hard, and and earn your minutes. And it's like, huh, now we see why this cat was a second-round pick. You know, I mean, when you got to roll out the ball and and just get out there and play and earn your minutes, and there's not like a niche out there for you, I don't know. And so in my mind, he may have a Hall of Fame career. He may go to another five or six All-Star games. But if if he doesn't 
if he doesn't shine in these type of situations, I think it'll always be something in the back of my mind that, you know what, he was a guy that fit a system, and that's cool. So, you know, he's a Michael Cooper type of guy. He's a, uh, you know, like he's a Robin type of cat, but he's not like a skilled, skilled guy that can play in any kind of air. He's like he's got to be a situational type of dude. And that's that's always been kind of my perspective. He's very good. He'll be a Hall of Famer. I think Steve Nash is a system cat. I don't take that. I don't. I don't look at it as a knock, though. I think the like when he was in Dallas, Nash was a sixteen point eight eight assist dude. He was the same player. Like he was the same dude. He did the same stuff. It just the system wasn't geared to allowing him to do it at a really high volume. And so, like the numbers and the impact wasn't there because he wasn't getting to do the things that he does well over and over and over. And I think the things that Draymond does really well. Golden State system allows him to do those things over and over and over, and that that give, that allows him to have a, a, a larger impact on the game. That that's that's what I think, and I think when he gets into this setting where yeah, there's another dude who can shoot, who can handle the ball, and who can guard three or four positions, and he's six eleven. Um, yeah, Dre, you're gonna have to sit this one out. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so like when you get to the elite of the elite, I don't think he's in that category. I think he needs a certain type of ecosystem, a certain type of environment to do what he does at a high level. And you can't just roll the ball out and be like, yeah, just you got to just figure it out and think that you're going to get Draymond that you've seen the last two years in Golden State. I don't think you can do that with him. I think you have to really gear it to maximize him, right, to maximize what he does, to get what you've seen the last couple of years from him. You have to build something around him and build a system that fits that he fits into and that fits his gifts. Um, but he is a gift to do. Um, but that's why I think I don't think he's he could be a lead dog um, because you he is he's such a, a, a finicky kind of an ecosystem type cat. You can't just be like let me because it makes it hard to build a team around a dude like that. You can do it. It's just like and it, I, I feel like this about pretty much most of these dudes on the team this year is that they're all systemy type cats from Carmelo to Paul George. The guy, the the one guy I'd probably say is you put him on where, as Jay-Z said, you put him on God, anywhere you put him on God greens earth, he's going to triple his worth uh, is, is my man cousins. Um, I think he needs to be in a good locker room, but as far as on the court, you can put him in any type of system. He's going to give you 20 and 10, at least he's going to give you 20 and 10. He's going to do his thing. No matter what type of environment you put him in, um, I think he will do what he needs to do, and he will be what you expect him to be on the court. As far as in the locker room, in the meeting room, with the coaches, listen, yeah, man, listen, he got some free will in him. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Devon, I tell you what, D. Yeah. Uh, before you go, the last thing I'll say, man, with Draymond, if Marcus and I are right. Draymond is going to have to be okay getting mid-range salary money because if he, in his next contract, if he demands max money, that's going to be a problem if he's still with a really good team like the Warriors and they still have the pieces that they have now. That's going to be a problem. 
Like, he can't be drawn, like, trying to demand max money when, you know, at that point he's going to be seven, eight years, nine years in the league, and all his warts are going to be exposed. He's going to need to be okay getting, you know, 15, 16 million a year and not pushing to get 25 a year. Yeah, and, and, I, and I agree with you, Phil. And I think this year, with Kevin Durant coming to Golden State, Dre and Clay are going to be the ones who are going to be impacted the most. Steph is going to get his, and Kevin Durant is going to get his. The two guys who are going to get less are going to be Dre and 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 Clay. And it may not be necessarily less, but it's going to be different. It's going to be most different for those two um, as to how they're going to get what they get and how many looks they get and how many touches they get and how many chances they get to do the things that they do is going to be different, most different for those two guys. Now, both of them were very much okay with Durant coming. It's one thing to say that in July. We'll see how they feel in February. Now, if they have the culture that they say they have, it shouldn't be a problem. But I know all that can go out of the window with one bad conversation. <laughs> all that lovey-dovey conversation can go out the window with one bad conversation. Especially when Draymond's in the room. Back and all the ride. Hey, all that can go all that can go real left real fast. Um and, you know, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be shocked at some point in the next couple of years if this thing with K D goes really well and K D decides to stay they may have to start pruning the tree in Golden State, and if they have to move somebody, it may be Dre. It may be. Clay, because I think it would be Clay. But um, let, let me yeah. – I'll let y'all go. Um, I, I think uh, I think we're out thinking this. I think there's a couple things here that is different. And, I, and, and I'm going to look in general. I think Coach K has struggled with how to coach his team. It's, a, it's been a ball-dominant – Guard left movement. There's been a lot. There's been a lot of things with this team that have affected a lot of ways in which he's approached his team. I've watched all the games, and he has no real rhythm around the rotation. There's other things. I also think that Dre's incidents we just spent time with kind of put him in a doghouse, um, and they've been in a way that he's still trying to work his way out of that doghouse. Um, and so it, it, it affected the way his minutes. But I've watched against Serbia. They realized they had to play him more. They were struggling with some of the other things. I think in these medal rounds, you're probably going to see him play in different ways with that. But I also think that his attitude towards the summer, his attitude towards all this stuff is affecting how he's playing in the Olympics. And he got, you know, there's no other way for us to talk about it. I think it's affected what he's done. He's got to walk away from this and think and reflect. On, on that in his approach. But I think that incident, as soon as that happened, I knew his minutes was going to be cut. Because you can afford to do that with that kind of team. Um, and, and because I, I think Coach K and those are, are really conscious about the brand of the program and everything that they're building. So I knew he was going to be in trouble uh, with that, particularly where they were playing him. Um, so I, I'm the way in which I've watched this team play, constructed, rotated, I'm, I'm not as um, 
I think there's a lot of struggles in how they've managed this team. So that part I'm not as affected on how it's going to affect Dre moving forward. Um, I think there's just some things he's going to have to do in his own personal life. I don't think he approaches these games focused. I think there's a lot of things he's got to deal with. Or he's going to have the outcome that I think y'all both have uh, talked about. Um, as it moves towards the season, I think because he, he's a Swiss knife, he can play a lot of different ways. He's going to find a way to play and make it enhance it and still be that glue to do it. What I did watch in this one, more so left him more clay, even though he had a game, he had a good game in these recent things, is that clay is somebody that needs to get a rhythm to do what he's doing. And you, you saw how he, he struggled when he wasn't able to do that. And I think there's going to be nights where he's not going to get the rhythm in a regular season when you add in Durant taking shots and doing some of those things. And so I'm actually more worried yeah. about how Clay – I think Clay emotionally is not as strong. You could see some of that even in the Olympics where just his mental game, when he's down, he's down in ways that take him off the, out the game and he disappears um, in ways that I don't see Dre happening. But I, I think a lot of that – and I think that Coach K has also built a system in terms of how he's building people in to be able to earn some of that stuff. So when Dre had that, that problem – I knew he was in trouble. I knew he had to work his way back into to something. So um, I think y'all made some good points, but I, I do think a lot of this is Dre's in a weird place right now, spiraling, that we're seeing play out in the Olympics. And I think what happens between the end of this Olympics and the beginning of the season, we're going to learn a lot more. Yeah, and, and I think you got a valid point. Coach K doesn't want to put in a guy in the game. And every time he comes in the game, the announcer has to talk about the sausage picture. <laughs> <laughs> That's bad for the brand. Bad for the brand. I understand. <laughs> We're just going to avoid that whole mess. We're just not going to have him go in the game. They won't bring it up. <laughs> you, know, you, you know, that's a bad look, man. You got the kids and American apple pie, I mean, you know, it, 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 it fits right with the lifestyle they having probably party in Brazil. He's probably, he probably right on point, but for what we're trying to do for a brand, for the program, he ain't, he's not right there. So, but when, nah. know, when they got into the hard stretches, particularly against Serbia, stuff like that, Dre was the one playing down the stretch, doing some different things. So, I yeah. think Coach K's also realizing yeah. that he got to get him in, but he was in the doghouse straight up. I knew that. Yeah. He did that stuff. I'm like, that, cat, that cat's in trouble. And with a team like that, once you get in the doghouse, you can you can work around that. You're buried. You're buried, yeah. yeah. You're buried. Yeah. You're buried once you're in the doghouse. Well, a couple of those guys, they ain't, they ain't in the doghouse, but they somehow accidentally walked into a brothel. I don't know how you go into a brothel and don't know it's not a brothel, <laughs> especially in Brazil. <laughs> I mean, that's a dead giveaway when you walk in <laughs> that lets you know this might be a different type of place of business. Hey, but I want to ask y'all a question. When, when, when you heard that Lockney refused to get down on the ground and they put that gun in his face, like, what was y'all thinking about when y'all heard them cats got, got robbed? Like, what was your thought when you heard, like, you're like, I'm not getting down and put the gun in his face. Like, what was y'all thought about Lochte, Lochte was backstroking through the concrete. He was all in the ground. <laughs> he, <ain't. laughs> he dove into the ground. 
that's the story you tell after the fact. I ain't right. be, first off, first off, man, Brazil scares me. I know some people think Brazil is just like, oh, funny beaches. Man, listen, it's a part of Brazil. You talk about Chicago and New York and Compton and Man, they ain't got nothing on the favela. <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> Man, I'm good. <laughs> I'm real good. <laughs> I feel comfortable walking in most hoods in the United States of America. As a social worker, I know how to navigate that type of situation. Man, I would. I, please. <laughs> please. <laughs> I wish you would drop me off and went to some little shanty towns. <laughs> In Brazil, I'm done, man. I'm done. I'm done. I don't know oh. if I'm making it out. <laughs> Stay on the boat, man. Y'all got a cruise ship, you know. Yeah, there. man. I don't know what's going on. But see, uh, but see, certain folks, certain folks, certain ethnicities like to get adventurous. <laughs> <laughs> they want to go be with the locals. <laughs> I ain't for that. <laughs> that's not my. That's not my mode at all when I'm on vacation. <laughs> That's not my mode at all. I don't want to have the authentic experience. I've had enough authentic experience in my life. <laughs> I don't need to go. I don't need to go to another country and have their authentic experience. You know, you feel me when I'm saying authentic experience? I've had enough of that in my life. I'm not going to another country to see what their authentic experience feels like. I'm good on that. <laughs> but for certain folks, they go for that. Sometimes you get that authentic experience. <laughs> <laughs> I refuse to get down. He put a gun on my face. Yeah, yeah. You, you came with that suburban mindset. Something going on, like man. Uh, the only way I'm not getting down if I see that little red tip on it. The only way I'm not getting down if I see that red tip on it. I know that's a cap gun. <laughs> <laughs> that sir is a cap gun. You're not getting me. <laughs> you gonna have to fight me right now. <laughs> <laughs> Now I know you have yeah, they, We're going to have to fight this they out. Said a, they said a, a Russian <laughs> diplomat got mugged. You know, you know, Putin might send somebody. Hey. <laughs> hey, listen. Putin don't want none. I'm like, what's going Putin don't yeah. want none. I'm telling you, man. Brazil is different. Putin don't want it's none. <laughs> Putin don't want none. Man, they had yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, you better stay in the little the little area. You stay in your little area. Listen, it's real out there. It's real out there, man. You guys don't understand, man. You stay in that little Olympic area, man. Tell me, they got the little zone. Stay in your little zone, man. Don't uh uh-uh. uh. They ain't paying the police. So if something happened, who you finna tell? <laughs> like who you, who you finna tell? Like that's why I was like, I was like, so when I heard about, it, I was like, they reported to the police. I thought the people that jacked them was the police. <laughs> you would have told the dude to rob you that they robbed you. I mean, <laughs> so it was, I, listen, listen, man. I'm not. I and I and I told my wife that somebody was gonna wind up being a cautionary tale about trying to do too much in a country like Brazil. And straight up, if I was down there. My whole goal would be to perform well athletically and not be that cautionary tale. <laughs> That's my that would have been my that would have been number two on my list of things to do while in Brazil. Don't be that story. You know what I'm saying? Don't be that story that they will tell every Olympian for the next Olympics, next however many Olympics, until somebody else becomes a new story about you. <laughs> <laughs> 
That would have been number two on my list of things to accomplish Marcus, at the Olympics. Marcus, Marcus, Marcus is giving this some thought. Marcus, Marcus is giving this considerable thought. I do a lot of I'm just thinking about here. this right now because it's so stupid to me, man. It's just so stupid to me. Yeah, I, it, this is one of my pet peeves, man. When people go to other countries and they want to act like it's sweet, <laughs> it's a hard knock life everywhere, man. You need to watch. You need okay. Listen, every neighborhood ain't like your neighborhood. <laughs> Get that out your head. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what did you understand? They got Zika. They had the bad water. And the police wouldn't get paid. That told you to get to be right. under to have have your head on a swivel. <laughs> yeah, see, yeah, I can't, I, I can't, man, I can't, <laughs> I can't deal with people yep. who like that, man. I just, it just, it just, like I said, I've had enough authentic experiences in my life. I don't need to uh, go partake in authentic experiences in other countries. I'm good. <laughs> I'm on vacation from my authentic experiences. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, but we got about we got a little bit of time left, so uh, we're gonna talk some fantasy football. Now, if you want the true lowdown, we're gonna give you our perspective, and we're all solid, quality fantasy football participants, right? We all we we're champions. I don't think all of us have won leagues. I'm hot off of a season where I took first and won. I think I took second and one. I was in three championship games out of four leagues I was in. So I took second and two, wow. first and one, and then one I got knocked out in the playoffs after being a second seed. So um, I had a really yeah, good year. Yeah, now, every that, year ain't like yeah, that. They call that kind of season, yeah, they call that kind of season the Thompson Slam. That's what they call that. <laughs> My man. <laughs> You know, you know the Serena Slam. Yeah, they call that the Thompson Slam. Yeah. Mhm. Well, I had a Thompson Slam. Whatever you want to call it, I had a really good year last year. Now every year ain't like that. All right, so I ain't I ain't gonna front either and act like I'm always right. Um, but I do have a decent idea of what I'm doing. Um, Paz has just named a a, a successful event after himself. <laughs> So he obviously thinks he knows what he's doing. Like he's like he's a gymnast. Like he's a gymnast. You know, right. That's the Thompson he just completed. And, and D. Wills has has a, has a nice uh, fantasy football trophy case uh, built in his home with some, with some with some hardware over the years. So we all kind of know what we're doing. So. Um, Again, me being me, I believe preparation is the key to everything. And so, you know, I've been doing a little bit of preparation myself. Um, mock drafts, that kind of thing. This is just a part of my routine, all right? We have this thing on our show called a can't trust them list, right? We have a can't trust them with the NCAA tournament. Uh, we, we got, the can't trust them list is, is very versatile. It's multifaceted. You can, it's multipurpose. You can use it in a lot of different uh, arenas in life. It's just when you are in situations where you notice some people you can't trust. And you need to make a list of them. <laughs> so we go have, we got our, our can't trust them list of fantasy football players, folks that for the 2016 season I'm gonna lay off. Um, I'll start with uh, D. Wills. Who's on your can't trust them list for 2016? Well, you know, I, in my can't trust them list, I, I usually say my you can't trust the system. So I always say. Stay away from Bronco running backs. You never know who's going to play. You don't know how they're going to do this. 
and they, they just don't, uh, not as a primary thing, stay away from historically. It doesn't matter who they coach, other than back when maybe Davis was starting. They always have a great person, but you can't trust them from week to week on what they're going to do. And don't trust any Patriot running backs because you never know what Belichick is going to do. So there's certain positions on certain teams you don't even you don't even mess you don't even mess with. So that's my one that's my first thing that I always kind of stay away from that you can't trust. The other thing you can't trust is is I like him, but you got to catch him on the right year. Is someone like Eli Manning? You know, it's kind of like it's, it's kind of like Amen. the San Francisco Giants. It's kind of like the San Francisco Giants. You got to catch them on that even year. You know that, like when they gonna win the world championship? Yeah. Eli is the kind of cat you got to catch him on. The, when you catch him on the right year, you're good. If you don't, you you, you done. And so he's somebody I I look at with just one eye, with my good eye to see if he going to do something. If I can pick him up as a backup, that's cool. But there's certain quarterbacks in that range that uh, that I can. The other thing you can't trust is the hot guy who everybody loves. So, like, he's the guy who's the backup quarterback that's now been signed by the new team. That everybody thinks he's going to be the next star. That's the other guy you watch out for. But there's a few that you just got to watch out for. All right. Yeah, and I'm with you on that philosophy. There's certain systems that, you know, I just I just don't really I don't really do it. Like San Francisco wide receivers. Nah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm not I'm not nope. Nope. I mean nope. Just not gonna do it. It's just not worth the pick. I'll pick you up off waivers. Um, other situations. Miami Miami Dolphin running backs. Nope. Yeah. I don't think they've had a good one since I've been alive. I don't think they've had a consistently good running back in my lifetime. So I don't do the Miami running game at all, no matter who the coach is. Uh, So, yeah, I dig that. I dig that philosophy totally. And, yeah, there's always the hot names. You know, again, I've done some mock drafts, and a guy like Sterling Shepard from the New York Giants. Um, Yes. People are drafting this dude really high, and I, I don't know if they forgot that the Giants have this dude named Odell Beckham. Um, you might have heard of him. Um, blonde hair, you know, one-hand catch, you know, flying through the air. That dude, yeah, he probably going to get most of the passes. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> he probably going to get most of the passes. Um, from Eli, who's an iffy quarterback. Um, who's on your list? I know there's some – I know that uh, – PhD, I know there's some mainstays on your list. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yep. And I don't care that Le'Veon Bell won't be playing early on. Don't mess around with Williams. I don't care what he did last year. Don't mess around with him. Um, Devon, I'm I'm with you with Eli Manning. And listeners out there, I don't care. Eli is going to give you that 450-yard game with seven touchdowns. Don't pick him up. Don't trade. For him, don't do it. Because the next game, he's going to give you six interceptions and two pick sixes. Don't do it. Don't do it. Just do not do it. He's going to give you four fantasy points. Um, Tony Romo has grown into that for me, uh, mostly because of injuries, man. He just cannot stay healthy. 
Uh, Matthew Stafford, unfortunately, um, was that way when he had Megatron, and he doesn't have Megatron anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like you're expecting yeah, a downgrade. <laughs> yeah, he, yeah. He, I mean, he he had a cheat code, and he no longer has the cheat code. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Stay away from Stafford. <laughs> all right, all right, and I agree, man. Like, Stafford, I mean, yeah, you don't got Megs no more, man. Good luck. <laughs> Good luck with that. <laughs> You know, he's talking it up like it's gonna be all right. All right, man, you could you could you could sing that all you want, man. You can turn up the Kendrick Lamar in your locker room as loud as you can. Y'all is not gonna be all right though. It's just not gonna be all right. It's not gonna be all right. You know, he probably cried himself to sleep when Megatron announced his retirement, I guarantee you. He cried himself to sleep. He he went home that night, laid down and weep. He wept. <laughs> Matt Stafford wept. <laughs> Right. Jesus wept. He said Stafford. You know what I'm saying? Stafford wept. <laughs> uh, guys on my list. Um, the first guy on my list, similar to D'Angelo Williams. Now, there's some guys who were on my list and had permanent spots on my list who have kind of phased themselves out of the league. This list for me started with Willis McGahee. <laughs> wow. He was the first dude I banished. The second dude I banished was Deshaun Jackson. And the reason I banished Deshaun Jackson is because this fool cost me a game that would have got me into the playoffs because he wanted to drop the ball before he get in the end zone. I remember this moment very vividly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Monday Night Football, Donovan McNabb is my quarterback. He has thrown what looks to be a, go- a-, a touchdown that will then win me a contest. And this fool drops the ball before he got in. And I watched it as it happened. I said, I don't think he crossed the line with the ball. I was like, I hope they don't replay this. This is my this is my end of dialogue. I'm like, I hope they don't replay this. And then they started replaying it. And I watched the replay. I'm like, this mug here. Yeah. <laughs> 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 and so I was done. I was done with the Charlie Jackson at that point. I've never had him on the team ever since. Another guy I don't trust is Jonathan Stewart. Um, and he gets some residual D'Angelo Williams kind of because uh, they share the backfield, so I think some of D'Angelo Williams' <laughs> inconsistency. Every year I think Jonathan Stewart is going to have a good year. He disappoints me. And then the years I don't mess with him, he has a good year. So I'm just done with him. I'm done with him. Jonathan Stewart, he's on the list. Other guys who are on my list. Uh, DeMarco Murray, nah, can't trust him. Can't trust him at all. Um, again, he balled in a contract year, everybody. That's the number one. That's like that's like the dead giveaway. Like that. Nope. It was contract year. Where is he at? I'm now? not messing with him. Is, right. Is he exactly. Still in Philly Tennessee. or is he in Tennessee? He's in Tennessee. He's in Tennessee. Oh. Another running back I don't trust. Ryan Matthews uh, for the Philadelphia Eagles. Don't draft him, please. Yes. You will be disappointed. He will hurt your feelings. He will have you throwing stuff on Sunday mornings. He just will. He just will. The other guy, I'm not trusting. And he's always on my can't trust him list. And I know me and D. Wills have gone back and forth about this. Phillip Rivers. Listen. (laughs) 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 He's always been just kind of right there. And everybody always talks about Phillip Rivers like he's going to jump into that next tier. And he never does. He just stays right there, right below him. 
He's right in that next group, but he never is going to take that leap. And people, so I think people are finally at that point where they realize he's just he's good, and that's just what he is. He's a good quarterback, but he ain't jumping into that 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 next tier with Rodgers and and Brady and Breeze and those dudes, and, and it's just not happening. So those are the guys who are on my can't trust him list. Um, I also recommend not trusting any hot names coming out of camps. Um, cause that's just always, it just, it, I, sometimes I go back and look like sometimes I will save columns from, uh, fantasy writers and look at them at the end of the season from what they was talking about at the beginning of the season and they be way off. They just do. Cause they're going off a rumor and in your window and ain't nobody telling them what was going on for real. Why would you, <laughs> if you were a coach, you're not giving them any real information about your, about who's doing what. Everybody look good, and that's what you're going to tell them. Right, he, yeah, he, look, he, he asked me about him. He looks real good. You know, I'm not going to tell you he sucks. He's awful because I don't want the other team to know that. <laughs> then they won't guard him. Right. <laughs> I want them to think he's the second coming to Jerry Rice so I can throw it to Megatron. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so those are the folks on my can't trust them list. Um, again, PhD is in the works of, of getting Eric – Hamilton, the K-Zoo guru, our fantasy football expert. They're going to be dropping uh, some fantasy football ciphers. Be on the lookout for that. Make sure you subscribe to the Real Sports Guys podcast. Um, you can do that through iTunes. Just uh, search Real Sports Guys, RSG. You'll get us. Also, you can go through our website, realsportsguys.com, to subscribe. If you subscribe to that, you will automatically get connected to the fantasy football cipher. It will just show up in your queue when we do it, and you will get some of the best fantasy football advice you can get on the internet. Uh, Eric, we probably should pay him for the information that he gives us because I've, I've scooped up some, uh, some great pickups and won some games because of the work that he, uh, the work that he's done. He does the legwork, gives you the information. All you got to do is go point click. So, uh, PAZ, anything else you want to say about the ciphers when they coming out or anything like that? Um, just a heads up. Uh, I'm in, uh, Eric and I have been in the same league for about 10 years. And uh, I'm not sure, um, the one year, you know, Eric and I did the Cyphers all season. Um, he didn't do very well, and I think I won that year because um, we, like, did it on Wednesdays and Thursdays, so he kind of gave me tips on what he was going to be doing. Um, so you guys may need to do the Cyphers with him this year, just a heads up. <laughs> I can't, man. Y'all killing me. Oh, man. Oh, man. You got Suge groaning, man. Suge ain't like, Suge don't like that. Uh, you want to get Suge upset? Uh, <laughs> we got beef uh, in the, we got beef in the group. We gotta get this right. right. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just playing. Yep. I was just kidding. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> 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 Well, well, we're sitting here with make the sure you're on the lookout for those. 
Yeah, make sure you're on the lookout for the fantasy side, but we will be dropping those as fantasy football season approaches. Um, so be on the lookout for that. Um, pretty much, you know, that'll do it for this edition. We're going to leave Phil uh, PhD with the last word. He's going to close this out. PhD, the floor is all yours, man. The last word is do not mess around with D'Angelo Williams. That's it. Have a good night. <laughs> God bless. We'll be back in two weeks. RealSportsGuys.com. Peace. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.